Hello. Happy October and welcome to a new series where your beloved After Dark host, Olivia Broussard, and friend of the show, Kurt Franklin, dive deep into the dark world of video game creepypasta. What draws us to invent horror in the recreational realm of video games where we're meant to find joy? Are explorations of darkness a necessary component to thoughtful consideration of art? Who should you call when you find yourself in need of a cartridge exorcism? These topics and more, all to be explored this Halloween season on No Cartridge. Are you afraid of the after dark? Welcome to another episode of Are You Afraid of the After Dark? <laughs> that just I'm scared just hearing that. You gotta it's, it's creepy. It's spooky. I think that maybe I should work myself up to it. I think I think maybe some people are already frightened out of their pants, and I don't want that to happen yet. That's for later in the episode. Can you do a witch laugh? I mean I can have my regular laugh. Okay. Are you saying your regular laugh is a witch laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I do think I have a bit of a cackle. Okay. I don't think that there's a, um, you know, that my laugh is completely devoid of witch energy. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So welcome to Are You Afraid of the After Dark? <laughs> I, of course, am Olivia Broussard um, and, and joined once yes, again. It's me. Kurt Franklin. <laughs> Kurt Franklin, everyone. At Kurt O. Franklin. Give me a follow. Throw me a follow. Like, subscribe. Oh, yeah. I forgot if um, I was supposed to be I, Olivia Broussard at AV Club on Twitter. Yeah. Of course. She's got more followers than me, so you got to make sure. That... <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's absolutely not true. I didn't buy my follows like some oh, people. <laughs> um. So we are joined together yet again on another spooky night and yes. there's fog actively rolling outside. The at the same time thunder is clapping, lightning is striking. Yes. Lightning is striking twice. I saw a shuffling dark figure ambling down the street towards me. Who knows what it is? Could be a zombie. Could be Frankenstein. I don't know. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I don't does he need help? I guess I should have asked him, right? I don't know. Hmm. It's too late for that. Now you're the monster. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're we're ready to be spooked. We've yes. already been spooked. We're ready to um, deliver frights and chills. Ch- <laughs> chills down your spine. And I really hope that we can deliver that with the, the story we have prepared for you today yeah this is a good one so the story um is called kill switch already it's good (laughs) so this is a story that was written by Catherine m valenti um on originally on the invisible games blog um and it was like a blog that it looks like it only existed for like three or four months and she wrote like a few of these like uh kind of fictional entries about different video games that are all had different creepy aspects made by this one fictional company. Uh, if you try to find the website, it's not on the internet anymore. So you kind of have to like dig around. There's a big wealth of info on TV tropes. It has its own fandom page. Yeah. So uh, I believe that the story was originally posted anonymously. Like it wasn't like, hello, my name's Catherine Valenti and let me deliver this story to you. Like it was right. presented um, very straightforward as if it was by um, 
by someone like writing very factually correctly about um yeah it's just presented the, really the straightforward Carvina corporation yes i do think that any story that starts with a corporation um you know that's something a bad right it's a it, winner because they're evil everybody hates corporations there's one thing that we can all agree on yeah no one's ever been like okay whatever corporation sounds like a good time this right. is this is the view of the future the view of the now has a corporation ever done anything good like a corporation made robocop that was good yeah we're we're proud of robocop he that's about it nothing wrong he himself did nothing wrong um but no i i don't believe that a Something has been called something corporation in any media ever and been like uh, the good guy at the end of the day. I would right. love to be corrected. If you want to correct me, then just just go for it. Yeah, just give me you a follow on Twitter and, and send it to me. <laughs> follow, follow me. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, that's patreon.com slash no cartridge. Uh, once you're subscribed, then you'll access a comment box yes. in which you can correct me. That's the way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Actually, <laughs> You're able to contact me in no other way. And thank you. Um, so the story that we're talking about today, kill switch is a video game that was created by the Carvina corporation. Um, and is about a, Spooky game, spooky in content, and then additionally, the game called Kill Switch, get this, has a Kill Switch component. But the game um, will start deleting itself Ooh. from your computer. That's so cool. It's very cool. Um, any other intro that you would like to provide to this, Kurt? Are you ready to dive into the the... The depths of Kill Switch. Let's go further down into this horrible, awful world of Kill Switch. All right, let me take you there. In the spring 1989, the Carvina Corporation released a curious game whose dissemination among American students that fall was swift and furious, though its popularity was ultimately short lived. The game was. Kill Switch. Ooh. See, now I already like this because it's 1989, so it's like prime nostalgia years for me. Like, I remember games back then that were on like the Commodore 64 and stuff, so it's already, this is hitting me close to home. Yeah, I remember um, nothing from 1989. I was. <laughs> Absolutely nothing? <laughs> I was not a thought in the world at that point. <laughs> not even a past life? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think I just have the one, but I'll, I'll check into it later. <laughs> so according to this tale, uh, Kill Switch, on the surface, uh, it was kind of a game that was kind of like a mystery or horror survival game. Uh, they they compared it to like Mist or Silent Hill. And the narrative of the game, it showed the complexity for which this Carvina Corporation was known to make their games. Uh, this is, and again, this corporation is featured in all these different stories that were on this site, Invisible Games. Uh, the graphics supposedly were monochrome. They were like really vague gray. Uh, there was like slow MIDI versions of Czech folk songs that were playing throughout the game. Spooky. Very spooky. I don't even know what a Czech folk song is, but. Yeah, I don't know any, but I think a slow MIDI version of anything is already. <laughs> Yeah, if pretty you, scary. If you I walked wanna... into like a Czech town and a MIDI song started playing, I would. It's like Hostel Five or something. I don't know. I feel like a MIDI version of any song uh, is already pretty spooky. Like the MIDI song in my head is like "In the End" by Linkin Park. Yes. Or all the small things or Adam Song by Blink One Eight Two. Those are the songs that were most produced in MIDI version, and I don't want to hear a slow version of. I do want to hear a slow version of all of them, but not um, in any spooky setting, because I do believe that would be very, very haunting. What about a MIDI version of an LMFAO song? Backwards. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're we're cracking the code. Slow MIDI version of LMFAO chopped and screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Is that actually a song? I don't really know any of the songs. 
big LMFAO head. Ah, uh, no. Chopped and screwed was a style of remixing and, and oh. southern rap. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I just showed my whole ass. Yeah. I, I thought you were from the South. I thought that you would get me. I've been living up here too long. I'm too much <laughs> now that you're a, a Brooklyn elite. Brooklyn elite. Kurt Franklin, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this game, when you started it, you picked between two different avatars. So you had a choice of your character. And one of them was an invisible demon, and it was called Ghast. And the other was a visible human woman called Porto. Uh, Ghast sounds cooler, but when you were controlling him on the screen, he was totally invisible. So you couldn't see where you were going. You didn't know what you were doing. Uh, your players, they if they picked Ghast, they barely got very far in the game at all. They'd usually have to restart constantly. And he was powerful, though. The character, he had this fire breath and this coal attack. But the problem was you didn't know where you were doing it on the screen. So invariably, people would fuck up and want to start over and pick the other character, the human woman Porto. Yeah, so he had, like, this the, the fire breath and the coal steam attack. So, like, while you still had, um, like, ammunition uh, for those skills, it's like you could kind of orient yourself because you could see where the fire was on the screen. But, like, after that was gone, it was just fairly pointless and i don't know that i fully believe that everyone would have abandoned ghast i think that that's a maybe this is a for 1989 people were like okay let's get to uh, yeah. porto our porto, skills gamer skills I, weren't that good back then i'll tell you from experience and i do believe that porto was uh one of the first playable female characters in video games. Wow, I think yeah. that she was maybe a trailblazer. Maybe people were believing that the, the future was female. Um, I think you're right. And I'm not going to speak so I can let you talk because you're, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, re- <laughs> <laughs> I just see a lot of myself in Porto. And, um, Mostly in that her her one ability, she did not have fire breath or coal steam attack. Her only ability was she would randomly grow. She expanded very big and then very small throughout the game, and uh, it seemed random. Um, uh, a student, a Kansas engineering grad, claimed to figure out the pattern for why and how she was growing um, and shrinking at different times. But uh, after he figured out the pattern, his work was lost. Man, and this will make sense happens. as we go on. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of this, like, they figure stuff out, but then it's gone forever. And you'll understand more why later. So Porto, um, at the beginning of the game, she's waking up in the dark. She has wounds all over. She's confused, disoriented. She's just trying to get out of this this cave system um it's uh, she's in the coal mines yeah both Um, players kind of navigate through this big cave system of an old kind of like abandoned factory so like truly get into this get into this moment right now you're playing this gray black and white game with slow midi versions of czech folk songs and you're playing this woman who's injured and is growing and shrinking randomly. For no particular reason, yeah. And you're you're trying to escape the coal mines. I'm truly in the story. I want to play the game. <laughs> I, I would hope somebody would have made this game by now, you know? I believe that they have. I believe that you can find videos of that already. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so she's trying to get out of this coal mine, and it slowly revealed that she was an employee of this company. She's investigating the collapse, and um, there's demons all around her that are similar to Ghast, as well as dead foremen that worked in the coal mine, coal golems, and demonic inspectors from the Sovatic Corporation. Yeah, you figure that out throughout these uh, course of the game through, you know, stuff like magnetic tapes, files, uh, different factory workers who she knew back in her life. Uh, that's how kind of the lore is delivered in the game. Which and, is pretty uh, pretty typical for this generation as far as like an exploration game. Yeah. Pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, so 
Oh, sorry. I just totally lost where we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's no bosses really in the game. Um, she just kind of is supposed to move through the tunnels and reach the later levels while kind of dealing with the size fluctuations and going through all the spaces of the level. I truly so, hate the idea of being stuck in a coal mine and randomly getting very big or very small. Don't you hate it when that happens? I truly hate when that happens. And if this was written today, then I would absolutely say this is a a pervert story with the, the, so, the giant the fantasies. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that kind of what Bayonetta already is, though? What do you mean? What What do you mean by this? I don't know. I've actually never played it. I just thought if I threw that at you, you might... Uh have a comment on it i have comments but i don't think they're uh about bayonetta i think they're about your my your mindset <laughs> what do you think bayonetta is about i think it's about a woman who steps on you in nice shoes <laughs> i think that you saw a picture of bayonetta and you're like oh i i need to believe this is about her being a giantess and so i will never play this game i assume I any never... media is <laughs> about giantesses yeah <laughs> Um, no, it's not about that. She's, okay. she's taller than average, but I do not believe that it's about her being a giantess. All right. I'll have to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why you even played it. Um, so you're getting all the information out of these like tapes and whatever else. Um, and there's very complex parts of the game where, um, n- a person just playing through the game would not be able to just figure it out. This was the time of the game where you would go to the forums or, you know, whatever. What was the old you, people version of forums? What, like game facts? Oh, you mean like bulletin boards, BBSs? Yeah. Usenet. Yeah. 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 They were on IRC. They were, right. I don't know, sending faxes. We, yeah, whatever. we were talking in the mud client. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, someone named Porto881 posted the solution to uh, BBS and any attempts that were made to contact this player after the fact, after they posted this uh, solution, was unsuccessful. And now the username is no longer in use on any service. And remember this person, Porto881, because they come up later. And so they essentially... took this code that was in the game that nobody could figure out and they made a cipher for it and posted it uh it was extremely complex though and nobody was sure how they did it and like they said like Liv just said you can't they were never able to be contacted after that so yes let me bring you into the next part of our tale uh so they deciphered that the foreman, under pressure to increase coal production, began to falsify reports of malfunctions. Um, so there was a, a Sovatic inspection. Officials were dispatched, one for each miner, and an extraordinary story of torture unfolds with fuzzy and indistinct graphics of red-coated men standing over workers, inserting small knives into their joints whenever production slowed. Admittedly, this is not a very subtle critique of Soviet-era industrial tactics, and as the town of Carvina itself was devastated by the departure of the coal industry, more than one thesis has, has interpreted Killswitch as a political creed. After solving the Axe Code, Porto finds and assembles a tape recorder on which a male voice tells her that the fires of the earth had risen up in their defense and flowed into the hearts of the decrepit, pre-evolution equipment they used and wakened them to avenge the workers. It is generally assumed that the fires of the earth are demons like ghast, coal fumes and gassy bodies inhabiting the old machines. Wow. I think that honestly deserves a standing ovation that's that's good stuff yeah it's just really good (laughs) writing too you know yes yeah i do like this image too of like you're playing this black and white game and then suddenly like these horrible um like overlords are in red i like that that works for me (laughs) yeah if it just appeared on screen after you were used to this kind of monochromatic tone and all of a sudden, this red starts to bleed into the screen. It's very creepy. 
Um, and I, I feel like this is, it's hard to imagine this was written um, not now. I like this idea of the Earth taking back, um, taking back the the coal mine, avenging the workers. That the yeah. Earth itself uh, rejects the um, the coal mine. Yeah, the factory. Well, yeah, it rejects the the poor work conditions. And well, that's true too. Yeah, it's yeah it's its purpose isn't just to take the equipment out. It's to purposefully avenge the workers. And then they are inhabiting the old machines. Right. But even in doing that, it killed the workers. Like the, even, you know, the ones that they were trying to save because it was indiscriminate about who it attacked. So that's why all your old factory worker friends and buddies are all dead too. Yeah. It was definitely like a, um, a, a hail mary. Hail mary. I, I think I'm using the sports term right. Um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> it did what it could, and yeah. it was giving, um, giving its all to reclaim this. And it's really a good story for our times, because I mean, there's like the climate change aspect of you know we're fucking up the earth, so the earth decides to fuck us up. It's a thing about capitalism where you know the factory and the coal mine are really putting down their workers. So something kind of out in the ether comes out to destroy it all. Uh, yeah, like you said, I, it's hard to believe that this, this wasn't written more recently with all the things going on, all the different layers of it. Yeah. The, the sense at this point in the story is very disorienting and it's – uh, it focuses on the size changes and all of this. So they're showing these um, – these machines on the screen, but they're so big that they're only showing like two or three gear teeth at a time, um, or just like a conveyor belt rather than seeing like the whole factory, not the whole factory, the whole like coal mine, um, system, the whole machine. Um, the machines are driving the inspectors mad. Uh, the workers are being crushed and mangled in the machines, which have been overtaken by the, the foul earth spirits. Um, not discriminating. And then Porto was knocked into a chasm by a grief stricken engine. And it's assumed that her fluctuating size. So the fact that she's growing and shrinking, um, if it's real and not just a result of her going mad in this empty coal mine is implied to be the result of her inhaling poisonous fumes. So this yeah. is just a sick, a really sick setting. Yeah, and I love the part about you can only see parts of the machine at a time because it's like it makes you use your imagination. That's always the creepiest thing in a movie when you see like a little bit of the monster, the creature, and you have to only imagine what the rest of it looks like. Yeah, and I just think it's like disorienting as well that you can't um, like Porto, who you're uh, thinking is – inhaling poisonous gases and like people are going mad and like you can't really get a hold of the situation either because you're only seeing one little part yeah. at a time right just some part of the whole and so after that after the kind of you f realize what's going on comes the most like cryptic uh, cryptic and unintuitive part of the game mm -hmm. where like if you're just playing it you've got no idea what the correct way is and nobody knew how to beat it until of course Here's that name again. Porto881 came to the rescue of the fledgling kill switch community. Uh, Porto881, he, they, she, they figured out that in the chamber behind the tape recorder that explains so much of the game is a huge furnace where coal was rendered into coke, which is kind of like the, uh, the boiled down version of coal, for lack of a better word. Uh, and there's no clues as to what she's supposed to do in this room. Players were attempting nearly everything from throwing Porto herself into the uh, to the great furnace or trying to just continue to work as if nothing had ever happened. Uh, but Porto881 figured it out, and she posted it. Or he, I don't, I don't know why I keep feeling like it's a woman. Maybe it's because it was a woman who wrote the story. Or maybe because um, it's their name Porto, who is the woman in our story. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot of female energy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so Porto881 figured this out and posted it to the bulletin boards. If Porto, the character, ingests the raw coke, she finds that she has control of her body. And she can go on to, like, kind of fight her way out of the final levels of the coal mine, which were otherwise, like, unimpassable in her giant state. Uh, so if you go through this process and you become the Porto that can control herself, you take the tape with you, you go through the final levels, and as you crawl through the final tunnel, you kind of emerge th through the ground, and the screen suddenly goes white. And this is kind of when it, like, uh, the name comes into play, Kill Switch, because the game, by design, deleted itself whenever anybody would complete it. Uh, it wasn't recoverable by any means. All trace of it was gone from the user's computer. Uh, it couldn't be copied. All, for all intents and purposes, it exists only for those who played it. And then once you beat it once with one character, it just ceases to be. You couldn't replay it. You couldn't find further secrets, more pathways. You, were, you couldn't let anybody else play it after you beat it. And probably most importantly, it's impossible to experience the game all the way through to the end as both characters. So, like, if you beat it as Porto, it was gone and you couldn't play it as Ghast. Uh, so, yeah, of course, once they figured this out and some people started to beat the game, people were pissed. Uh, the player outcry was huge. Several routes... Oh, boy. <laughs> uh... They were trying to solve the problem. The, the guys got together on the bulletin boards to try to figure it out, but nobody could really do it. Uh, so people hit on, obviously, the most simple idea was just buy more copies of the game. But Carvina Corp only released 5,000 copies of this game, and they said they would never press a further edition of it. So they had to put out a press release in May of 1990, turn of the decade. Wow. Kill Switch was designed to be a unique playing experience. Like reality, it is unrepeatable, unretrievable, and illogical. One might even say ineffable. Death is final. Death is complete. The fates of Porto and her beloved Ghast are as unknowable as our own. It is the desire of the Carvina Corporation that this be so, and we ask our customers to respect that desire. Rest assured, Carvina will continue to provide the highest quality of games to the West, and that Kill Switch is merely one among our many wonders. People were not buying this. People, <laughs> the people in the story did not like this at all. Um, they, like, it says that Gast is uh, the Bo Porto's beloved, but Gast isn't even present in Porto's narrative. Like, you play through the whole game as Porto, you never see Gast. Well, Gast is invisible, but they don't um, reference that character at all. And people really wanted to play as Gas because everyone was playing through as Porto the first time around because it was much easier um, because you could see her. Uh, people didn't really know how to orient themselves playing Gas. And so since everyone was playing Porto, that's like where people were putting forth the energy to figure out all the mysteries. And that's where like the culture for the game was. So just no one was playing Gas. Um, the most popular theory, because of course there was theories um was gas would at some point become the fumes inhaled by porto which is like what was changing her size throughout the game right and um, allowed her to like find control of herself right um, yeah so they thought like if only gas early, early levels were passable they would eventually be able to play as both characters at the same time but yeah, there's no no more copies. <laughs> no one gets to play the game again and, and see if that happens. People who hadn't completed the game tried to play as Gast, but the difficulty of actually trying to play him um, wasn't working. No player has ever claimed to finish the game as Gast. Um, so one by one, everyone is eventually completing the game as Porto um, to find any copy usable today. It would be unbelievably rare, rare. Um, a, a still shrink wrap copy was last sold at an auction in 2005 for almost a million dollars to someone in Tokyo so here's how the story ends it is entirely possible that this person in Tokyo who bought the game Yamamoto Ryuchi it's entirely possible that Yamamoto's has the last remaining copy of the game 
knowing this, Yakamoto, a different Must be name, a typo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had intended to open his play to all enthusiasts, filming and uploading his progress. However, to date, the only film which has surfaced is a one minute and 45 second clip of a haggard Yamamoto at his computer. The avatar selection screen is visible over his right shoulder. Yamamoto is crying. And that's how it ends. Man. That's how it ends. It's so good. What an good. ending. I know. It's so, so good. So there's one guy. We end with one guy having a copy of the game. And he's trying to choose the character selection screen. But he's just crying. Man. Which... What are we? What are we taking away from that? So, do we believe that he's already tried to play as Gast and is now like so deeply upset, or is like the persistence, the claimed goal of persistence to play as Gast somehow haunted him? I I felt like there was a thing where. So they talked about at a certain point. Everybody knew that if you beat the game as Porto, it would delete itself. Mm-hmm. So you would think some people would just not do that. They would just keep playing as Gast. But there must be something so – it draws you to it, to play as Porto and beat the game, that people would do it, even knowing that it would delete the game. So I think that's kind of what this is saying. It's like Yamamoto is sitting here, and he's probably tried to play as Gast a lot. But the frustration or the difficulty of it has made him just want to have – chase of victory maybe and that choice is what's kind of paralyzing him and making him crying that's kind of how i read it yeah and i think that part of it is that as humans we don't like these open-ended questions we don't like threads that haven't been tied up um so it's seems to suggest in the story that we're all looking for that finality that feeling of completion even if it appears to be um, not our goal that we yeah. are there's there's no way that we can stay away from that feeling of being complete and we can only ever feel that feeling of being complete whenever we die so, <laughs> yeah is that right That's dead on because that's I mean, kind because of the end of porto is uh porto's kind of it's almost like she escapes but you don't quite know she hits like a big white screen which could be death too like maybe the whole thing like it said in the story was like uh, her she had inhaled these poisonous fumes and this whole game was the her imagination as she slowly died Mm. or you could read it literally where she finally you know gets control of herself and is able to crawl out of the coal mine and escape to freedom Okay, I I don't want to say anything offensive here. Uh oh. Do we think that the game Portal <laughs> ripped off the story at all? Do we oh, think man. that we see uh, do we see com- like that we can easily compare these ideas of the story where there there's Porto who's kind of like the shell character in this um, surrounded by just like this emptiness trying to escape from this place where everyone that she worked with died um, yeah. or is gone from and being kind of um, demented by these um, these by the the place itself, I mean that's by, portal, and by right? The, yeah. the machines that are inhabited by the previous workers, which is what the machines in Portal are. That's that really is what it is. And then yeah. that's that's how Portal Two, spoilers, spoilers for Portal Two. Just skip ahead a couple of thirty seconds if you don't want to hear spoilers for Portal Two, which came out in like two thousand ten. Um, <laughs> That's how Portal 2 ends. Is she she opens the door to go outside and she sees a field and then the screen goes white. Like Yeah. You could read it the exactly same way. That's how Portal 2 ends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Portal 1 too, like she escapes, right? At the end, she floats out of the thing. And likewise, after everyone completed Portal 2, no one ever talked about it again. Just like kill switch. <laughs> yeah. What if it deleted? What if Half Life Three was available and it would delete itself off your computer? I think Portal Two could have deleted itself off its com- 
everyone's computer and they wouldn't have noticed that this, it could be. That's not true. I've replayed the co-op. The co-op's very good. But like, I don't, I don't know that people replay the main mission. That oh man, are we gonna get into a, a retrospective on the quality of Portal Two now? I believe Portal Two is a good game, but okay. right. what? I'm kind of spooked by my sudden realization about how similar these games are. Yeah. And I mean, and then you've got, of course, Portal, Porto, just mm-hmm. the names, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think you're onto something here. We should contact a lawyer. <laughs> We're going to sue on behalf of uh, the Kill Switch story because, you know, of course, we <laughs> Dear are. Mr. Valve. <laughs> we are representing it now. <laughs> I've got Gabe's email address, actually. I can send him a note. Yeah, send him a, a PM. That's right. But the story, the story is beautiful. Um, I like the idea of like the actual gameplay of it. I think that that's a very attractive game to play. I would love to play it. I think that, and I would love to hear your opinions on this. Like, how do oh, yeah. you, how effective well, do you think this is? Well, the actual gameplay of it sounds like it would be important like you know in the last couple of years with the uh the rise of the so-called walking simulator you know where you mm-hmm. just do stuff like walk around and find tapes and figure out what happened i think if this game like actually came out and existed now as something that we had never heard of before it would like sweep the gaming community you know especially if it did have a component where it could somehow delete itself which i don't really think is possible but would be extremely cool if it did that. I mean, it, one of the things it reminded me of was Undertale. Have you beaten Undertale? I haven't beaten Undertale. Can I do some uh, Undertale spoilers? Uh oh. No. Essentially, I, I won't spoil it too much, <laughs> but I'll say this: if you beat it once, it says uh, basically you don't need to replay the game again because you're going to put us through all that stuff that we just did again. So there's a sense that after you've beaten it, you don't want to play it again, which mm. kind of is similar to the deletion aspect because you don't want to put all the characters through the shit they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time you reinstall it on a new machine, oh yeah, because if, if you do restart it after you've beaten it, they'll comment on that in the game. They'll be like, mm. you already beat this. Uh so it kind of reminded me of that too. There's a little bit of the Undertale stuff. Um, and you really got to play that. Yeah. Live, if you haven't by now. Yeah, no, I've started playing it. I just haven't finished it. Okay. All right. Um, I think that also this game, or not this game, the story had a stunning um, marriage of kind of like the ideas that we have talked about in the past two episodes where the Pokemon stories that we read didn't have any of like the, the outer world component. It was just like, you were playing a, a, a spooky hacked game and that was it. Um, but then the Ben drowned had this outer world component where he was being haunted by Ben and he was being followed by the spooky link statue. And I think that this, the story offers us a little bit of both of those two, but in like a well-written story where like we both get this cool game to look at the game by itself is already spooky. We, you know, like having to figure out this kind of creepy game and like, you're having to talk to people online because it's, it's so difficult and so, um, obscure. So you're already having a creepy time with this game. And then like, at the end of it that it's getting deleted and then at the end of that whenever you see this guy the last known copy of the game is like this guy crying trying right. to to pull uh pick a avatar poor yamamoto yeah poor yamamoto aka yakamoto <laughs> whichever one <laughs> whichever one um so i feel like that that's kind of my one of my favorite parts of this story is that you get both the delicious original game and this is the first original story that we've we've talked about um, that where she uh, invented this game wholesale and then had a story about it on top of that um yeah it's in like the course of two and a half pages she lays out the gameplay 
themes, design of a video game, but then also all this kind of like real world stuff surrounding it of how it would delete itself, how there was a big community that was supporting it, but it was real early. So not a lot of people could communicate about it because then once you beat it once it was, uh, it would delete itself. So how do you keep a community like that going? There's a bunch of cool, just Mm -hmm. extra details in here that make it awesome. I like the whole identity of this person, Porto 881. And they, they really make that seem mysterious. Like, who is this person? Uh, they obviously were extremely smart about this game, but never been able to contact him. Yeah, so, um, yeah. very, very interested in the game, very smart about the game. It makes sense that you wouldn't be able to contact these people afterwards because, like, yeah, what's going to keep this community alive? There's no more game to talk about. Right. Um, and on top of that, like, it, it does feel eerie, the Porto 881 character, but then also the statement that the Carvina Corporation put out is is spooky. Yes. They're like, please don't look into this. This is what we want. Um Porto and her beloved gas, which no one no one knew what the fuck that was about. Um saying that death was unknowable that we shouldn't attempt to know death or attempt to know anyone else's fate that you just experience things as they are um that death is perfection and it and it's completeness i feel like epic Games should put this press release out when they deleted fortnite the other day (laughs) death is final death is complete one might even say inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> the fates of Floss and her beloved. I don't know. What are the other ones? Uh, what's the other dance? The one where you like. The justice one. Yeah, there you go. The big pinata. You can't know what the hell the pinata was. And her thinking. beloved big, big pinata is unknowable as our own. Um, do we feel like this is that there's a spookiness to this game that was created for the story, that there's a possibility that a company could make a game this creepy and market it in this way. Like, could this be emulated? Cause could the story be emulated? I think so. And I think these days, like, uh, you know, you see these one man dev teams that come out of nowhere with like, like a game that just is like fully formed from their brain, almost like a, an auteur making a movie or something like I think one person could do this and it would come out just come out of nowhere they wouldn't almost like a frog fractions type thing you know what I mean where it's like people just stumble upon it and then figure stuff out and then somehow it deletes itself I totally think it's possible I mean technically I don't know I don't know how that works the deleting itself aspect of it but I think it would I think you could do that that would be really cool yeah, I think that one of the things that makes the story harder to imagine the present day is that all of these players were pretty isolated. Like you kind of imagine that everyone is playing this game by themselves and like maybe they're able to talk to people online a little bit, but it's not like there's Twitch streamers or anything where people are really, really sharing this game with each other. Yeah. It seems like a personal experience to play through this game and experience your death. <laughs> What if Ninja was playing through this and the last, imagine the last part where it says Yamamoto is crying, except it's Ninja. I think that would really touch a lot of people and teach a lot of people about the finalness of death. I I think that Ninja does have a lot to teach us. I think so too. <laughs> He's got a lot to teach himself as well. There's no part of the story that couldn't be analyzed more. Like this is not that long of a story at all. And it's given us so much to talk about. Like the fact that the, like, is Porto a real person? Is this a real story? Like Carvina seems very creepy. Um, and then that it's the story of these people that were being, um, these workers in this coal mine that were being, what is the word that I'm thinking? Not manipulated, but just being, um, I don't know. And these poor working hmm. conditions that were being taken advantage of, um, that are being tortured. Um, so it's a tale about 
workers and like workers pain. Um, it's a story about also this, this like climate change story, um, and the earth retaking these things, like just indiscriminately, like having to take back the earth, which is what's going to happen. Um, eventually the seas will rise and indiscriminately, it doesn't really matter if you're a good person or not. The earth is going to retake everything. Yeah. Um, and then even offering us the choice of playing as ghast, I mean, that's probably why it's so complicated is it because it's not a human. So it's this kind of perspective that we we don't have, we can't understand. It, that's what makes it more complicated. And that's why everybody defaults to picking Porto after a while, because we get that. That makes sense to us. Yeah, it's more on top of this, like, we only feel comfortable in the things that we know. And it makes us really uncomfortable to have... Uh, anything unknowable so knowing about death or like we don't like playing his gas because we can't see him um he is unknowable um and so we just yeah we feel more comfortable in the ever-changing status of porto which is still disorienting in its own way um but a little bit more grounding there's a lot going on here this is this is a good one. I would recommend... Um, hey, go out and read this one. It's not very long either. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Google Kill Switch. Um, give Catherine M. Valenti a follow on Twitter. She has many works, which I'm now very interested in looking at. Um, she writes novels, short stories, poetry. She does it all. So yeah. um, I definitely want to check some out now. Yeah, definitely check out her work if the story is interesting to you. I think if the story is interesting to you from this, then you should absolutely go read the actual text. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that this story would have ever... So this story is like obviously very uh, philosophically um, interesting. Do you think this story would have ever like spooked you? like uh made you scared uncomfortable or is it just like the philosophical existential uncomfortable yeah it's the second one that's what's cool about it i think is it's not a game like the other two episodes we've done where it's like something's out to get you there's a ghost that's gonna kill you this is just like the game and it's doing what it's meant to do and it's just the fact that like you said we're so used to being able to finish things or have some sense of finality, especially in video games, you know, mm-hmm. that the idea that there's this thing that's been created that has all this spooky accoutrement with it and we're not able to really get the full picture uh, by design. And not only that, but we are forced to stop even thinking about it after a while because it deletes itself. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not spooky scary. It's spooky uncomfortable, like you said, like the the kind of uh, out there making you think about yourself too much kind of scary. Mm. I um, I need to play every game that Carvina Corporation makes. I have changed my mind. They're a very good corporation. <laughs> I would like to be sent all of their games for review. Carvina, if you're listening to this, um, anything Carvina's a person. We- <laughs> yep. Anything negative that we've said. Um, we were just joshing. Yeah, it was all I, a joke. I believe that Carvina is the baddie of the day. Can you send us a beta copy, some key codes? Oh, I just saw this oh, breaking news. Carvina Corporation available exclusively on the Epic Store. Oh, wow. Oh, man, that's really going <laughs> to piss off all the Steam kids, man. <laughs> Kurt, do you have any final thoughts about the story like i feel like i could keep talking about this forever and i hope that um some of our beautiful loyal listeners will talk to us about this story because i i'm super interested in it um i think that there's there's much to be explored here Um, yeah i feel like there's a whole layer of it that we don't even really have the context for like all this kind of like because it's implied that carvina is this corporation that's in like russia like this video game company Uh, because they say this stuff about the West and all this kind of things. So this idea of these coal mines and these people that work there in 
I don't even know how that is in like you know Russian society or history. I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's awful, but all these ideas of the earth creatures and the demons and Gast himself is this like a is this like Russian folklore fairy tales? Like I don't, I have no clue yeah. of the context of that stuff. And it does make deliberate, yeah, in the Carvina Corporation statement, they make deliberate reference to the West. Um, and in the game, it's saying that, or in the story, it's saying that they're, they are emulating Soviet-era torture of these yeah. laborers. And they specifically mentioned the Czech folk songs. So there's all this Eastern mm-hmm. European, Russian... Yeah, and then also, like, they're mentioning, like, the earth golems, which I do, I believe, is, like, Jewish folklore. Um, So I don't know if there's, like, a component of that in there, like, what the full cultural ramifications of the story are. Um, Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like you could write a whole paper just on this two-and-a-half-page story. (laughs) Like, you could really get deep into it if you wanted to. Um. But not us, because we're not that smart. No, we're not. We're stupid. <laughs> we just say uh, story good or story bad. That's all we have to say. And we're we're both giving this a a big story good. A big story good from your boy Kurt over here. <laughs> um. Any any final thoughts, Kurt? Uh, I would just say. Go read this. Go read it yourself. You're going to get a lot out of it, I think, even uh, if you enjoy it. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to us talk about it, but you really need to read it yourself too. Yeah, I would love to hear what people think about um, any cultural things that we missed for sure. If you think the story ripped off Portal 2 or if you think Portal 2 ripped off this story um, or not even ripped off, but if you if you see what I'm saying, if you see what I'm saying about this story. Inspired. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and really like anything that you're hearing in this, seeing in this, that we're, we're missing. I, there's plenty to be sure. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, would you like to wish a, a spooky good evening to, or a good night to everyone, Kurt? Yes, I hope everyone has a very spooky haunted evening. And as always, if you see any cool stories, send them to us. Uh, let us know what you thought. And may all your dreams be haunted. Ooh, good night. Ooh. <laughs> good night. Good night. <laughs>